0: Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Episode 3 of Season 3 of the Pogel Podcast. Season 3 is all about the practice of Pogel. Each episode deals with a different aspect of facilitation in the Pogel classroom. My name is Wayne Pearson, and our interviewer today is Alex Grushaw. Hello, Alex. Good morning. Good afternoon. Hello, Wayne. (laughs) Hi, Alex. How are you? Good, good, good. Okay, I see that today's episode is all about roles. What types of roles are we talking about? Dinner rolls? Finger rolls? Crescent rolls? Um, actually, we're going to talk about
1: pogo rolls or roles in pogo teams as they work in the classroom. Um, with that, I'm going to roll with it. How's that?
0: Okay, that sounds great. I think it's time I turned it over to you.
1: All right, sounds good. So as I said, we're going to talk about uh, how things work within a team instead of a Pogo classroom, and in particular, talk about roles that we use within those teams. Um, and we've found within the Poggle project that it's important to use roles. And um, basically, we're going to talk about how facilitators use roles to promote student learning and growth in the classroom. And with me today is Kristen Drury, who teaches chemistry at high school, high school level on Long Island, New York. And Rodney Austin, who teaches organic and biochemistry at the college level in Western Pennsylvania. Welcome to you both. Hello, it's good to be here. Hello. All right. So um, so I just want to open this up uh, by having you briefly describe what the traditional roles are in a Pogel team. Uh, and how they function within the team. Who wants to go first?
2: Okay, um, I guess I can talk first. Um, the first major role we have is a manager. They usually have make sure all the man- members of their team are fulfilling their role, assigning uh, tasks if needed, making sure they're paying attention to at time, and that all the team members are participating.
1: Okay.
3: The second role uh, we typically have in a traditional poll classroom is that of the presenter. And the role of the presenter is really to ask questions of the instructor, for one, but then also to report out orally, whether it's your team answer, or also sometimes to write that on a blackboard or a whiteboard. So they're actually presenting the data. So saying something like, here's what our
1: group found. Okay. Uh, Kristen, what's next? A
2: third role could be recorder. Uh, They would record the names and their roles of group members at the beginning of the class, and they could also record important aspects of the group discussion, observations, or any insights they had.
3: Our fourth role uh, typically is reflector, and that person observes and reports on the team dynamics and behavior while learning, and they can also help the team reflect on content materials. So they might help the team think about two models, two related models or two related concepts. And how they can uh, how they can both, both help you learn something about it. and so they might say something like let me see if everyone has finished this question before we move on All right so they're really helping the team reflect on what they know
1: okay um, but you know I know from you know going to meetings and workshops there are a lot of other variations on some of these roles um, or you know actually you know what do you do if you have five people in a team? Or what do you do if you have only three people in a team? So um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the other functions that we might see uh, in team work?
3: So, yeah. So uh, sometimes, uh, you know, if you're talking about different sizes of teams, you know, you can actually have someone be both uh, the recorder and the reflector, right? So those roles in some ways go hand in hand. Um, Sometimes, you know, uh, maybe a manager and a presenter, perhaps, but uh, that'd be less likely, perhaps. Um, Another role that you could have, maybe if you have a five-person team, or maybe if it's a different type of day, is you can have the role of a model builder. So if you have a physical model or some sort of manipulative that you're using, uh, that person can be in charge and really help the team build the model. So they might go to the front and get the the materials, the kit that's needed for that, and they might sort of help direct the team and actually building the model.
1: Oh, I can, and I can see where that would work. That would happen a lot in organic chemistry, right? I mean, yeah. to, so yeah, that's yeah. that's something you actually do in in your classroom, or
3: yeah, yeah, I do in my organic chemistry. And we oftentimes we we'll have a class of about sixty or so. So I'll have little uh, baggies of kits of models. So they'll have you know carbons, hydrogens, and bonds, and that type of thing. And they'll the, one of the students will come down and get that, and so we'll build structures uh, to to demonstrate a. a, a concept like RNS or something along those lines. And also works in biochemistry as well. We'll build alpha helices and they'll use pipe cleaners and a few other things. Okay. So yeah, so that one can be really good.
1: Yeah. Kristen, you got something else for us?
2: Sure. Um, I'm at the high school level. We have a lot of English language learners and students who are more auditory learners or so they think. And so <laughs> I have a reader incorporated in my roles. They read all the passages and questions out loud. They can stop and have everybody read them again if they need to internally, but it's really nice for certain students to hear all the directions and passages out loud uh, for their processing skills. So the reader is one role and another one is ambassador, which some people I guess call a spy. which is kind of cute, um, where if I'm really busy working with another team, the ambassador can use their roll card to move to another team and ask a quick question to see if they can get clarity before I come back over.
1: Oh, so in the case, so I, you know, I'll, I'll just jump in here. So the spy, I like that, <laughs> um, or ambassador is basically somebody who can float to a different team and, right. talk, with, and talk with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, sometimes
2: you can actually, um, if you have large groups, um, like many teams, you can uh, say these three teams can spy on each other and those three teams can spy on each other. And then they can use that okay. student as um, a, almost like a, team stay but one stray so they can share data just like slightly differently than if you would on a computer or whiteboards
1: okay okay yeah that, that those those sound really interesting it, it's interesting because for me and again I teach it at the college level I typically have my presenters be the readers as as, as you indicate and then the ambassador or spy would be actually the reflector. You know so so i so we'll, we'll sort of incorporate some of those so this sounds interesting um because you know the idea that we can um utilize multiple people to do different things and then come back and sort of put it all together i think is really an important aspect of working in teams um now the, uh, the use of roles in the Poggle classroom is part of the, the PO in uh, Poggle, the process-oriented piece. Um, some of the process skills that we're trying to help students develop uh, come straight from using these roles. Um, so I was hoping you might uh, briefly give your view on the value of using roles in the Pogol classroom and what skills the students develop um you know we've sort of touched on a few of these things but like really what is the value of doing this in your classroom when you're like in in the case of the three of us we all teach chemistry so what's the value in doing this
2: i am sadly aware that not all my students will become chemists when they get older um so (laughs) i use the idea of roles and using pogles as a buy-in for all of chemistry my whole class so i say you know, if you learn um, a small amount of chemistry that enhances your life, I'm happy. And if you learn a large amount of chemistry that makes you want to be a chemist, I'm ecstatic. But I'm even just as happy if you leave my class um, having a little bit more command of how you learn and command of how you interact with other people. You No matter what job you have, you're most likely going to have to work with other people and to improve your communication skills, your way of um organizing information and coming up with critical thinking and problem solving skills, I think that's super important for any other thing especially chemistry of course, but for anything from a carpenter to a data software engineer or something like that.
3: Yeah, I, um, I agree with Christmas you know she's saying most of her students won't become chemists at the college level right So we have a lot of biologists and I have a lot of engineers and some nurses. And, you know, this year, I think I have three or four chemists in my class. I'm ecstatic because I really don't have that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So thinking about all these other skills, one of the things uh, kind of like communication, that type of thing is, you know, we often think about metacognition. That's one of the things we talk about in Pogo. And of course, that's just really thinking and reflecting on one's own thinking and how we learn and what one's knowledge is. And so I think having the role particularly of like reflector and then maybe couple a little bit with recorder, uh, can help students, you know, if they're not a chemist, you know, they're an engineer, biologist, really think about what they are they really know and what they don't know. Because uh, sometimes they'll just see it, you know, chemistry is that checkbox that's make sure I get that class in so we can move on. And so having those students sort of reflect on what as a team they're doing well, maybe individually, can help. And oftentimes, uh, I think a lot of people have recorder's reports, so they'll have to fill out a little sheet at the end mm-hmm. of the activity. And the reflector can help this, the team sort of think through uh, what do we know? What do we don't know? And, uh, you know, common practice would be to have like, all right, what's the muddiest point for your team, the most unclear point. And so then the reflector helps them uh, think through that and they can write something down. Uh, I sometimes have students rate the, like a, a question or a statement on a Likert scale of one to five, you know, like something along the lines of our team could easily solve a problem with the ideal gas flow or something. And so the five would be agree. One would be disagree. And uh, so you can see that. And sometimes, you know, you'll get a team and, and you'll see, even see that you're probably not doing so well, but they're saying five, we completely agree. But you can learn something there as well that they're really probably not thinking it through or maybe they're a little self too self confident. Um, I really like when those ratings when the students will give me like a 3.5 or a 4.5, because I just give one, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. And so they're really thinking about it. Or they've taken a poll and averaged it. And so that shows me they're sort of really thinking, reflecting on how much they know. And I'll often when I hand those back, I'll say, I like your honesty here, 4.5 or 3.5. Really, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they, they just didn't circle five. They went through it. And so right. I like. That. and then also sometimes an open comment, I'll just say, you know, give me a comment. I often say, related to chemistry or cheesy or anything, you know, and they'll, uh, I'll get jokes and all sorts of things, but sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll get a comment like "I really like this, or man, we're really right. struggling with this. And so I, I think, you know, it gives them a chance to pause and to think about what they do and don't know. And, you know, maybe in a lecture, they won't necessarily take that time or they won't have that time built in uh, to, or maybe if it's an unstructured group, they won't have that time built in.
1: Right. It. I mean, it's really, really important to, make sure that they get that five minutes at the end of class to do some reflection um, and, and, you know, write some more things down on, on, you know, whatever recorder sheet or whatever you're using uh, to communicate back and forth with. Um, One of the things that I was reading about the summer, it had nothing to do with Pogel, but um, somebody was, said that you should really frame the end of the class when students are reporting back is not you know does anybody have any questions but i basically say ask me a question you know and that is now at the bottom of my recorder sheets so it's basically you know and some of them is you know like so how was your weekend you know but sometimes it's like they are really like asking a question that you know is very insightful of something that you know happened in the last 10 minutes and it's great because I can use that to start the next class um so but I I will admit that early in my use of Pogel I did not really understand the importance of roles and I found it very difficult to start using roles in the classroom I was not someone who who, like sort of saw the value in it and so, what do you say to someone who has some trepidation about using roles and we would just like rather let the students, you know, sit down in a team and just work collaboratively?
3: Yeah, I've really found that that teamwork, the the teamwork part of it really does help sort of just to accelerate, maybe as a biochemist, catalyze that reaction, the, the reaction, or catalyze that interaction, maybe of the students. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was reaching out to a couple of students this summer, you know, known this. Pogo podcast was coming out, and one of my students at graduate school, she she said, you know, I love the roles. She said because I didn't have to invest you know, um, cognitive load, and they're thinking about, am I saying too much, saying too little? Who's going to speak? And she said, it really reduced my anxiety, just having the role and knew, knowing her role in the group. And so she really was thankful for that. And I, I think honestly thankful because she's often talked, you know, we've emailed back and forth about uh, the, the, the Pogol. Um, she doesn't call it Pogo, but the, that type of uh, learning that she had, and it really helped her. And so I really think, you know, it does sort of um, help Uh, With that interaction, but also uh, particular times that it does help is like the very beginning of the semester when you're just introducing this or maybe have new teams, Um, it gives them roles. And so, I mean, besides just normal daily, that really just helps them be able to talk to one another without having really that awkward silence that is there, if it's maybe an unstructured one. And so that can really help out. And I know a couple of my students even said, yeah, you know, that first week, those roles were great for getting us talking because I didn't know anybody else, you know, as a relatively large class. Um, And and another way that's maybe not quite classroom based, uh, you know, traditional classroom based is I have uh, some water testing I do with students and they test water from local municipal source and I usually have four of them. And they uh, usually don't know each other and they can be biologists, chemists, and engineers. And so I just have assigned them, started assigning them roles the very first day. And usually the most experienced person, I'll just make them the manager. And sometimes it's a carryover person and then I'll give somebody the role of analyst, and they really look at the binder for the uh, our procedure, you know, has pictures with it. And another person's like a pipetter and a data recorder and another person's a pipetter and they communicate the results back to the water authority. And that really has really jump-started because I didn't have that for a while, you know, and it was that sort of awkward, you know, should I pipe that? Should you pipe that? And man, they jumped right in and they just started going with it. And so uh, so that has really helped those folks. And, you know, I, it doesn't take a time or two. Um, they, they really get going. So I, I would just argue that, you know, it really just gets the students learning faster um, and uh, really better uh, straight from the get-go.
2: Yeah, I agree. I went to... Um a college in which our recitation, one of my recitations was using Mm Pogol, but I think the professor didn't understand how to really influence the roles. We had roles, but they weren't really tightly explained to us or um, enforced in any way. So going through that process and not knowing why we had a role, just having a little piece of paper that said reader on it or whatever it was, um, didn't didn't sit well with me. I loved the, um, Pogo aspect, but not the roles. So when I went into teaching, I did Pogo for many years without the roles and I knew we knew something was missing, but I didn't know it was that. Cause I just thought it was overly simple and maybe babyish to have roles at first. And I went to a Pogo facilitation track and the facilitator can I name names Beth Mancini, um, <laughs> made us be in our roles and I was like, oh, my God, this is revolutionary. I, <laughs> just being in the in the shoes of a student and saying, um, this is my job for this group. And this is how I'm going to be participating. Like Rodney said, help my anxiety, um, help me make sure that I was involved in my group in the right, the best capacity I could. And I went immediately home was like, I had to change everything about what I'm doing with Pogol. So I figured out what roles worked best for me to make it so it's easier for me to actually enforce them. I decided how would I check if they're actually participating in that way? And I had like little check marks and write their kids' names down with little check marks next to them. And um, I kind of had like laminated their role cards. So they had it right in front of them with like a list of these are the duties of your role. And I can't say that it went particularly amazing the first time around. Um, I really had to think about how to entice the students into wanting to do it with like maybe a job listings activity that they talk about in there, or um, just kind of showing them how, you know, whatever job they're gonna be going into. There are people with roles. There is a manager where you're gonna go. They might not call it manager, might call it principal in my case. Um, They (laughs) have their roles and you need to know how to like check your boxes. And so they, the more I worked on enlisting my students, the better it got. And next thing you know, within a couple of Pogo activities later, uh, the kids were really working. So I think the same thing with Rodney said, it gives the students all something else to concentrate on that makes it so they feel more secure in class um, and also a little less focus on how hard the chemistry is. I at least can get something done. I can at least check off that we really communicated today or we really tried in our problem solving today and can feel accomplished even if there's a small section of the chemistry that was difficult for me today. Um, And then the students who are not very good communicators, um, you kind of give them a role like ambassador or like a recorder and have them kind of shadow someone else who's a little more outgoing. And they um, blossom a little bit better than if you never had any roles.
1: So, so it sounds like um, you're kind of tuning what the students do, what their role is going to be, to sort of what their personality is. Am am, am I right in that, or do you, um, or do you rotate roles just like new class? Everybody, you know, moves one role, how, you know, how does that work? Or does, Honestly, did... at the beginning
2: of the year, it's just whatever, right? Because I don't right. know the students and I just kind of have to really pay attention. I don't think I do a polo activity right away for that reason. I try to get to know who my students are. Um, and then, yeah, at the beginning to make it a little bit more smooth transition, I do kind of tailor, right, the the outgoing students with the report out or manager mm-hmm. position. And the more reluctant students with something they can actually manage um that i think they can manage or i might even ask them what do you think for the next next pogo would make you feel most comfortable and then like um maybe i have um a ma- meeting of people who are an um analyst last week and what what did you do when you were an analyst analyst last week sit over here people who were reporters what did you do last week that made it go really well um to like kind of really foster them and then i start really shuffling them after a while it's just like you should be able to get any role and run with it
1: mhm right as they get a little bit more familiar. Rodney, is this do you see the same sort of thing at the college level or do you do it a little differently?
3: Um yeah, I, I tend to, you know, try to somewhat randomly pick. I I sometimes, you know, I, I and I used to sort of like maybe try to pick someone, you know, to be a manager that I thought was really good. Um and sometimes I've done that, but more recently last year or two, I sort of make it random like I'll say, all right, "The manager today is the person with the smallest phone." or you know the person who lives closest (laughs) to a river or the furthest from our campus and to try to make it uh, somewhat random and to move it around to at least pick the manager based randomly and that manager sort of selects you know gives them a little bit of autonomy to work through there so um, yeah so I I do it I think a little bit more randomly uh, in that sense for most of my classes Mm -hmm. because I have either upper division classes which are smaller and so I try to give them a little bit uh, more flexibility. And then I have somewhat larger classes. And so I try not to be over prescriptive in those cases.
1: Right, right. And and I'll just, I'll throw out another idea for those who like the, this is what I do on the first day of the Pogo classroom is I will shuffle up a deck of cards and hand them out. All the aces are together, all the twos together, all the threes, you know, the spades are the managers, the hearts are the recorders, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And so... Um, but generally I try to just rotate the roles around. And, I, you know, what I find is that it's it's difficult to get students sometimes to buy in. Um, and, you know, because like, as Kristen noted, some students just, you know, they're not outgoing. Um, I have some students who just are not good at keeping notes as the recorder, um, you know, and and they worry about, their own learning, they, 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 they still feel like I have to get all of this knowledge, you know, and I need to understand what's going on in class. So how do you motivate the recalcitrant student? Do you like, do you like that, uh, that word there? I'm, I'm, I'm big on trying to use big words. So The recalcitrant student who doesn't want to adopt a particular role, like the student who just, you know, can't manage anything. And just sort of lets the team go. Um, so, do you have any examples for workarounds other than you know prescribing? Okay, this is the manager of this team because I can't trust the rest of you to do it. Um, so, and, so I'm I'm looking for help here from from the both of you. So,
3: I'll I'll start. I uh, the one the one role that I, I I find more than maybe someone doesn't record well is uh, at least my classes is the presenter. Um, and, you know, I either have upper level classes where maybe they, you know, you have a biology major taking like biochemistry and they maybe feel like, you know, they're not confident or in a 60 person class someone wanted to talk out and so I end up even though I like I sign the manager randomly, it seems like in a lot of teams. I find that it's the same presenter. You know, you might have, uh, they may move around and sometimes maybe they even cheat. Maybe the manager presenter, the same person because that person, you know, is really good at talking. They're really confident. And so some days I will start with, all right, uh, in your teams, first, I want you to pick the presenter. Right? And the presenter has to be someone who hasn't presented in three classes or not much at all. And then once you get that, then you can choose some of the other roles. Because I really want to hear uh, some different voices here, you know, instead of just having that one person. And so the that uh, person, uh, Um, uh, Yeah, so that person can really be helped uh, that's sort of maybe quiet and maybe not talking, you know, just by speaking out to the class and I think can help in their development. And then one other uh, time I had something similar was in one of the sort of research teams, the lab teams, and I had one student, he was a little bit older, and he wasn't so much a domineering kind of guy, but he was just really a kind of a pleasant, outgoing, sort of really hopeful, and he really just wanted to do a great job. And he would, I, I could just see that he would take over as manager. And I really wanted this other student who was more uh, experienced in the lab to sort of be the manager. And so I just sort of, you know, pulled him aside and said, all right, I, you're a great manager. You've already had some experiences leading, you know, school clubs, but this is what I want you to do with your role. And you're going to be you're going to help the manager. And so I sort of put him in that. So in that case, I pulled somebody in aside. And that may or may not be, you know, possible in a in a larger class. But you know, if it's someone who's really stuck in one role, maybe there's a way that you know, maybe that one-on-one can happen. And this student, he was really open to it, so that went to the uh, so that went well. And then um, sometimes I'll have the presenter, or maybe uh, maybe it's someone who always is the recorder and they don't want to be the presenter. I'll have them uh, go to the board. Maybe I'll say, all right, the recorder is going to go to the board today, and you know, everybody puts up one problem. So uh, I've tried to hit upon a few of those.
2: I also have issues with students who want to always present and other ones that never want to present. And at the high school or even middle school level, um, I think it's okay to give them kind of more sentence starters. So the, some students won't need it and other students can use them So You might say, all right, if you're having a hard time knowing what you're gonna say later, um, I'd like it to have this format, right? Today, you know, for the question number three, it could start with three, three words, insert in blank, and then end in these three words, um, something like that, that would help them feel like they didn't craft the entire thing. Um, and it just makes it a little bit easier to, to chunk it out for them so that they feel more com- comfortable. And then they hear other people saying some of those same sentence starters are like, oh, okay, they, I picked the right sentence starter for this question or whatever it is. Um, I think that's our, my biggest um, issue is the people who don't want to speak out loud, um, but like, I, like Rodney was saying, maybe you wait a couple of weeks and you let the people who like to present do it often enough that and say, hey, you just, you know, eventually you're going to probably all present. So maybe take some notes, right? Listen to what these people are saying and um, make it a safe space for when, you know, it's going to happen at some point that somebody is going to say something kind of wrong, even if they're confident, um, make it a safe space for them to say something wrong and um, discuss um, a great ways to give good feedback that's actionable, but not mean. And that way, when it's time for the elected students to speak, they know it's a okay place to make a mistake and also fall back on the fact that, well, if you made that mistake, it's not just you, it's your whole team whole that team, made the yeah. same mistake. You all yeah. read on it. So it can't be yeah. that outlandish of an answer.
1: Right. Right. Right.
3: Can I just jump so, in for a second? I, I really like, yeah, what Kristen yeah, sure. was saying there at the end about that safe space and i have really noticed this sometimes with teams and they don't want to say an answer and uh, they really fear that they're going to have something wrong so they're almost frozen um and sometimes you know and sometimes i'll just say you know you really it's all right if you're wrong we don't always have to be right and that's why we're doing the teams because you know you're going to be able to see what other people's answers are to be able to compare And uh, it really, I think uh, once students get over that, uh, then, you know, and especially if they're they're talking it out, and uh, I think it can really help. And uh, especially if the teams tend to be a safe place. And if you try to, you know, establish the roles and those types of things, I think it really can help uh, the, the students be able to say a wrong answer to have a wrong calculation, and then to be able to fix it later.
2: Yeah, how many times have scientists been wrong? And we teach that for (laughs) a reason, right? And how many times do scientists collaborate? Like, this is all part of the bigger picture. Like, we're working together just like scientists do. We're wrong just like scientists are. And we're, you know, trying... The whole point is that we're trying to learn something. So failure is part of the learning.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I totally agree. My, My students are always afraid of being wrong and... And they, they they always want to make sure they leave the classroom with all of the answers <laughs> correct. You guys found that too? And it's like if you the, – the whole key there is is review your results after class. Come back with questions because you're probably going to have some. Or better yet, check in with the rest of your team, you know, either between classes, you know, between – we meet when we meet next time or at the beginning. So it's, it's, um, I think that ref, the reflection piece is probably one of the harder things for, uh, I'm sure particularly at the high school level, but you know, you, I, even at the college, the students don't come in, you know, uh, reflecting on what they're learning. And I think that, uh, again, working in a team, but like you said, Chris, I think it's a great uh, thing giving them a safe space where they can, uh, sort of uh, add something to it by, by picking a role, Um, you know, and I guess, you know, at the end of this, I think the key is, and I'm going to go back to something that Rodney said earlier about, you know, the students come back to us, um, you know, years later and say, you know, I really appreciate what you were doing. I really liked Rodney. I liked your your comment about how the student really appreciated the roles uh, that they were given you know, and that sort of helped them. Do you have any other anecdotes that would convince the listener um, that roles are really important?
2: I could say that until I figured out how to use roles, I don't know. I felt like the Pogol activities were going over like a big light brick. They were getting the point across, they were learning some things, but it wasn't exciting for my students. And then Mm with getting their roles and getting that buy-in and those process skills and explaining why we're doing it this way and being more transparent with the students. I'm at the point where if I say, if they see the roll cards coming out, cause my roll cards are bright, like bright red and bright orange, they like cheer, they're like excited <laughs> or um, they come into the class and they're like, we're oh, we doing a Pogel today.
0: And,
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, cause
2: mine are kind of random. It's not like every recitation right. that we're doing Pogels. And yeah. I'm like, actually we are and like, "Yay!" cause they find it more of a, a healthy challenge,
1: right, right,
3: yeah. Right, cool. I, I had one student in an organic class, and he was one of the engineers. And uh, I think it was a, it was an end of course evaluation. I'm pretty sure I knew who it was, uh, but he said, "You know," he said, uh, really organic chemistry is really tough." He said, "But man." And, we, and I did it and I do it mostly on Wednesdays in organic chemistry He said but every Wednesday he said I knew what was happening he said we could get through it, and I would really get that knowledge because I was able to talk it out with friends, and that type of thing you know again going through this sort of structured role. And so I, I think it you know was able to give him that Not that every student likes it and some people I know even this semester there, I can sort of tell by some of their comments in the reflectors reports that you know like it's not explained well enough, you know. As if uh, you know, they're not understanding because you know I didn't give a great lecture, you know, because they had to sort of solve it. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, I, I think working in the in the groups can really be helpful, and I think there's a good bit of sort of positive peer pressure uh, and team behavior that can really result as a part of that because you know they don't necessarily want to be able to give up, you know, and if. Uh, maybe if there was unstructured, they maybe one person could set back, but perhaps and be lazy, maybe let the smart person get it, but because they have these roles and they're, they need to make sure that they're sort of working together. And I've often found like the recorder and the presenter, they oftentimes can be really close because the recorders, you know, they got to write down the official team answer, and then the presenter has got to say it. And, uh, and and sometimes that you know the, the, they have to work together because they know the presenter doesn't want to look bad and so he's asking the recorder and the other members to make sure that he or she um, has it uh, correct, the correct answer. And uh, just the other day, in fact, I was I was pushing some people to why they had this answer. And I remember these two guys, and the one was the presenter, and I looked over and they, it was just sort of like two officials nodding each other, That and he said, all right, this is why we think it, you know, and they were uh, making, they were conferring really quickly right. before they, they gave their answer. And it was the correct answer. Uh, but yeah, so I, I really, I really think some of that, you know, the sort of positive peer pressure uh, students aren't being as lazy as they might otherwise, you know, they they would, if they wouldn't have a role. Um, and then also just the, the roles, of, you know, I think really it helps more learning take place during a given hour because those hours fly by. My students talk about that all the time. You know, when we have uh, active learning, uh, but it really helps more things take place learning wise uh, during those hours.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, I want to thank uh, both of you for taking time to share your, experience uh within the pogo classroom and uh, how we can use uh roles not dinner roles wayne but active um active learning roles and active uh, uh process skill-based uh roles in uh in the pogo classroom thanks very much guys really appreciate it thanks thank
0: you back to you Wayne. Okay. Thanks, Alex. And thanks, Kristen and Rodney, for just a great discussion. Uh, Now, as we've said before in this season, we want this to be the beginning of the discussion. So if you're on Facebook, if you're a member of the Facebook Practitioners Group, um, you can follow hashtag the Pogel podcast. You can do this for any of our episodes, but particularly for this episode, uh, we would like you to uh, to. Make your comments known about what you do with roles, how they've affected your teaching, how you use them in your classroom. So uh, we're looking forward to a lot of rich discussion on Facebook. Thanks for listening to the Pogel Podcast, Episode 3 of Season 3. We will be back very soon with Episode 4. Goodbye, everybody.